It's the time of year when we're all thinking about goals and priorities. Now is the time to plan your next trip. Whatever kind of travel fills you up, whether it's lounging on the beach, connecting with family and friends, or going on a foreign adventure, Expedia has the tools you need to plan a great trip. Download the Expedia app or visit Expedia.com to start planning. You do need to be a OneKey member to use price tracking. Signing up is easy and free. Expedia, made to travel. Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. I'm Oprah Winfrey. Welcome to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. I believe that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is time. Taking time to be more fully present. Your journey to become more inspired and connected to the deeper world around us starts right now. I've asked hundreds of mothers and fathers, what do you really want? The answer I most often hear is, I just want my children to be happy. But very often, there are boxes that parents want their children to check first. A college degree, a successful career, marriage, a nice house, and then their own kids. Do you believe meeting parents' expectations actually brings happiness to a child? Trailblazing author Dr. Shafali Sabari urges parents to wake up and ask themselves this pivotal question. Why are they trying so desperately to control their child's destiny? As an Ivy League-trained clinical psychologist, Dr. Shafali lifted the veil on the deeper meaning of parenting in her groundbreaking bestseller, The Conscious Parent. Today, Dr. Shafali integrates Eastern mindfulness with Western psychology in her work with families around the world, as well as raising her 13-year-old daughter, Maya. In her book, The Awakened Family, Dr. Shafali says, when our children challenge us, instead of getting triggered to control them, we can think of it as an opportunity for our own evolution. This is revolutionary. I think this is a revolutionary approach that really can change parenting, so much so that I can see and feel that we're at the very front, forefront of what will be a revolution. Dr. Shafali Sabari. Well, I do feel we're on a precipice and I do feel like, you know, it's a mission I have to help parents reclaim their lost self Mm -hmm. so that then they can meet the spirit of the child who is whole, complete and worthy and abundant. And then generations can be free. Right. And to bring back the joy in this journey, we've lost the joy in the parent-child relationship. It's become stressful, anxiety-ridden, and hard, and it doesn't have to be. And what you say in The Awakened Family is that it is the root of every other problem we have in the world. And there are lots of people that would argue that, oh, there's politics, and there's education, and there's poverty, and there's on and on and on and on. But at the root of every problem is... So this connection between parent and child has the power 
to end violence, has the power to end conflict, power to end bullying. This is the power of this relationship. But because we parents ourselves sit within ourselves broken, incomplete, lesser than, we haven't touched upon our own inner sense of empowerment and worth, then how can we shepherd that child to their greatest expression? Mm -hmm. So this is what this book, The Awakened Family, seeks to do. It seeks to help the parent to reclaim their lost self. And the only way to do it is, that, is through a revolution, to not do it the way it's been done before. Don't go anywhere. More to come after this short break. No two travelers are exactly alike, and that means no two trips should be either. Texas' vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities allow for an infinite number of different travel experiences. Are you a beach person? Well, you'll be having fun under the sun with Texas' 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies can't get enough of Texas' world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interests. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. Did you know that it's Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month? Macy's is highlighting some really cool AAPI-owned brands right now, like Cardon, Kaja, Amelia George, and Hey Meave. Plus, you can help to support college access and student success when you donate online or round up in-store to APIA scholars. APIA is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander owned brands at Macy's.com or in store. So the Awakened Family is really about each person who is parenting moving to their own highest consciousness and also allowing their children to do the same. So as I was reading this, I was thinking, what we need to do is actually explain to people what do we mean by being conscious yes. or awakened? Because I think the word consciousness gets misunderstood yes. and people think there's some woo-woo something to it or some new age definition about it. But I want to know what you mean when you say living consciously. I believe all of life is a process of evolution. What does that mean? Evolution means that we're always reaching toward, holding on to the vine, which will take yes. us out of this jungle of confusion. What is the confusion? We have forgotten, there was some big forgetting that occurred at some point in our history that made us believe that we were separate from this oneness that surrounds us. There was this big epiphanic forgetting. Yeah. Right? That we are one with God. So we have forgotten that. And our entire life now becomes a quest to reclaim that. We are constantly evolving. We are, whether we like to recognize it or not, even the most unconscious person, against their, their greatest will, they are on a process to evolve. Life gives us opportunity after opportunity to ask yourself, is this my truest self or am I living the inauthentic self? Becoming conscious 
means to recognize when that moment arrives. And it's coming, and it's coming, and it's coming. Now, children, why do I talk about children as being the ushers of this greater evolution? This because greater... they're the most conscious. They're the most untainted. They're yeah. still the closest to that remembering. Yeah. And we're all seduced to keep forgetting. But yet, there is a will in us all, the spiritual seekers, the truth seekers, the light bearers, to go back to that place. So becoming conscious is to recognize the moments that life offers you, which is really on a daily basis, and with children on a moment-to-moment -moment basis, to start reclaiming who you once were. The most authentic side of us, which remembers that we are one with this divinity. If we don't always remember that we are one. We. We are one. Are one, yes. Then we enter the ego. We split off from that source and enter ego. And the way the parenting paradigm has been set up is just designed for even a greater boost of ego than I've ever seen in any other relationship. Yes. And what, how does the ego sound? It's my, I, correct? We, mm -hmm. we start talking like this. Mm -hmm. I as a parent, my child, right? The possession, the ownership, it's inherent. That's why I love this relationship because it's such a trick from the universe, you know? The universe gives you children. It says they're yours, so it seduces you to thinking it's mine. Like, you have to call them mine, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not wrong in saying mine, but yet the child comes out and says, I'm not you, I'm not you, I'm not you. Now, deal with me, attune to me. Do you recognize my spirit? I will not belong or be yours. I can come through you, but I will not be yours, right? Khalil Gibran. Khalil Gibran. So this right is where the greatest spiritual learning happens. That, yeah, I am connected to you. We are a we, but you are separate from me. And dancing this moment after moment, the leaning in and the surrender. How much do I control, yet I have no control? Dancing this dance is the spiritual awakening that children allow us. Okay, so I loved your opening remarks at Super Soul Sessions. You said, what you are here to reclaim, you had it once. Do you know that? You are seeking and searching for what that special something is. You had it. You had it as a child who knew its might, who had wonder and grace and presence and beauty and worth and significance. That child who was able to stop by every leaf, every petal and stare at it with rapt attention full of monk-like present moment awareness. You were that child. So each one of us in some way is seeking whatever that was we once had. And we had it. And we had it, and it's still there. It's there, but yes. now it's buried, and we can reclaim it, but that is what this book offers parents, a journey to reclamation of yes. the lost self. I think it's a beautiful book to share with anybody who has a child, but I know there are the seven myths that I wanted to just touch on today. Before I just talk about getting into the, mm -hmm. the specifics of the myth, I want to explain that we are entranced by a collective consciousness, mm -hmm. which I call the parental Kool-Aid, yeah. which is comprised of these seven myths. These myths are creating such fear in parents. And fear is ruling this relationship. Yeah. Fear rules most relationships yes. because they so reflect 
our longing, our yearnings, our incompleteness, that we want to control mm -hmm. how this relationship turns out. Mm -hmm. It's not fear of the child, it's fear for our own destiny, because our destiny now is in the hands of this child, because we haven't fulfilled ourselves, you see. We had children to fulfill ourselves. Mm -hmm. We just don't own it, we don't recognize it. We check off, oh, children, marriage, career. Children is a big one, it's yeah. a big box, you know, you know. You didn't have children, Oprah? You yes. know, it's as if you're lesser than. Oh, yes. And, you know, actually, the last time we did a Super Soul Sunday together, I got a lot of negative, you know, tweet people saying things like, well, Oprah, what do you know? You have never had children. Listen, I will be the first to say that it is very different stepping into a young girl's or a young boy's life, you know, when they are pubescent right. versus, you know, raising them from the time that, 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 right. that they were babies. Right. But I will also say that what I have learned from you um, in just running my school and being a mother to many of the girls at that school has changed the way I parent. Because yes. the number one thing I let go of is my expectations. Yes. Which, you know, at first it sounds like, oh, gee, you don't have expectations right. for the I let go of what my expectation right. for what their lives should be. Exactly. Now, yes. you hit upon why parents live riddled in fear. Yeah. Because we're not conscious that we have expectations that come really from our own sense of lack. Yes things that we didn't finish off, things that we didn't resolve from childhood. Mm -hmm. This is what we are not even conscious to. Yes. So I put this on my child and culture tells me, go ahead. One person you can put your expectations on is your child. Yes. In fact, you should be, you're expected to have expectations, right? Yes. So now if my child is not going to fulfill my expectations, I'm going to panic. And my panic will quickly become control. Can I share with you just how this showed up for me? After I did uh, our last interview a couple of years ago, I had one of my girls in a school and um, she was having difficulties and she really didn't like the school. And I realized that I had talked her into going to that school. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, I and I had to actually say to her, I made a mistake. I made the ultimate mistake. I wanted to be able, I, when I was your age, wanted to go to that school and I couldn't go to that school. And so I put my hopes and my dreams on you. Yes. And that was wrong. Now let's deconstruct this yeah. and show parents what you just did. Yeah. You first had the awareness. Yes. I had the awareness that, oh my God, I am trying to get you to live my dream. This was not your dream. You went all the way back yeah. to that, that mother yeah. who only longed for the best for her child. Mm -hmm. But beneath the longing, were the chains of an expectation. Yes. You thought, who wouldn't want to go to the school? Absolutely. This is the enmeshment I that occurs. I actually said those words. Yeah. Who wouldn't right. want to so go to So you just the... slapped onto her a yeah. desire that was completely coming from your state of lack from your childhood. Absolutely. This is where all projection, all dysfunction, all conflict in relationships come from, from the parent putting onto the child something from way back. Way back. That is a slivered sense of their self, an incomplete part of them that we Ooh. just automatically assume the child will want. But you, because you had a moment of awareness and your ego was reined in, mm -hmm. you went, maybe it was me? Absolutely. Who just set her on the wrong path? Absolutely. Sent her on to the slaughterhouse of yeah, her spirit? Makes me want to cry because ah, I did that. But you helped me to see that that's what I was doing. 
So in the, in the moment of her, you know, despair, I thought, I did this. I projected what I wanted onto this. And the realization of it, the consciousness of it actually, changed me with every other girl. And so now my entire uh, approach, my entire philosophy is that I can open the door and you can walk through. The way you wish. The way you I'll wish. I'll pave the path maybe, I but will. you may walk or, how you wish. Or choose not Manifest to walk. Or choose not to even yes. walk through the door. Yes. So you did what conscious and awakened parenting is about, but mm. look what evolution it took for you to do that. Mm -hmm. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank. Some things should be boring, like banking. Boring is safe and reliable. You don't want your bank to be entertaining. Entertaining is for podcasts with inspiring celebrity guests, not banks. PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is the service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Inc. PNC Bank, National Association, member FDIC. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts. And one of the other things, too, that you, you, you mentioned so, so, so beautifully in The Awakened Family is that, you know, kids get on your nerves. They bother, they annoy you. But kids are not trying to do that. They are not trying to do things to cause you to say, you're getting on my nerves. Well, they, they're is, just being themselves. Well, the state of childhood is contrary to what we adults want. This is the clash. I call it the clash of time zones, the clash of states of being. Mm -hmm. We cannot live in the present. We cannot live messy lives. We are trying so hard to stay away from the pain, the mess, the chaos of life. Children go straight for the rubble and the mess and the chaos because they're not afraid of mm -hmm. getting dirty. Mm -hmm. So this is contrary to our sense of uh, our desire for control. Right. So we then label them, again, the good children and the bad children. We label them, we punish them for evoking in us a sense of lack of control, lack of power, lack of orderliness. We cannot stand children who constantly jive up against our sense of control. We do not, we call them bad children. And culture endorses this view. So unless we do away with labels of good and bad, and enter the present moment as you did with your daughter. You did not label her bad. You entered her present moment. Right. You attuned with her and said to yourself that this child is trying to express something. What is her spirit telling me? Now, if we work with that premise to connect, 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 then you set your child free. So let's take 
a big myth. They're all big, but the first one I talk about is that parenting, we've been told, is about raising the child. And parents say to me, well, what could be wrong with that? Who should I be raising? Yes. And when I turn the spotlight to them, and I say that you cannot even dare to have the audacity to think about raising another being until you yourself are parented. You have raised your own self to the highest level of evolution. Then you can aspire to meet this being who is living in the present, who has no attachment to identity. Our children, young ones, under the age of five, they're not attached to, how do I look? Am I complete? Do I need to become someone? They say to the world, they declare if they had a chance. They are born knowing they're enough. They don't think I need to become a lawyer, a scientist, go to any Ivy League school to give themselves a stamp of approval. We put this lack onto them. So if we continue with this idea that we are noble beings, selfless, right? And I tell parents, you have to own that there's a big degree, a high amount of narcissism, egoic desire to fulfill your own self, to have children. Parenting is not selfless. There are elements of selflessness in it, but the driving force to have a child comes from your own desire to complete something within you. Wow. And that's why children revolt. Either they withdraw, because they've just been shackled with compliance after compliance, or they revolt, and then, boy, then we are told by culture, oh, now you better punish them. The culture is not outside of us, you know. Yeah. So the myth is that parenting is about the child, even though you are parenting your child. Parenting is really about you. If you don't raise yourself first and yeah. parent yourself, you will then aspire to make your child a mini version of yourself. So you're actually not even raising the child then, you're just raising yourself. So let's just call it what it is. Rein that ego in, parent yourself, and then you will attune to your child. Then you will make space for the spirit of your child to unfold. Okay, number two, a successful child is ahead of the curve. Oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. It's ridiculous. You tell me. What is going on in this country? It's ridiculous. And you know, high school is no longer high school. We are supposed to complete two years of college now in high school. Wow. So we're just cranking the pressure. And so again, the illusion, the mad delusion, is that I'm doing this for my child because we believe that success creates the holy grail of life, which is purpose, happiness, joy, and meaning. This is not so, you know, I don't know how to tell parents in a gentle way. You are now sending your child off further and further away from their authentic self into a life of doing, doing, doing. But the question is, how do you then have a child that can compete in this world? Correct. If your child is the one child who is playing under the cardboard boxes and, right. you know, making little stick people. Correct. And doing, you know, Correct. childlike things while another child is learning calculus by the fourth grade. And look, just as you say that, as a human being, as a mortal sitting here listening to you, I go, oh my God, I'm feeling anxious. Yes. The minute you pitch it that way, yes. and parents pitch it to me all the time, well, what if my kid is the only kid who's left behind? My kid is the only one who's not getting into college. How would my kid feel that day? Right. And what a disservice I would have done. Right. So that's the parent who's drunk the Kool-Aid, right? And look at anxiety, rules the roost. Didn't you have an experience um, relating to this myth when you went to enroll yes. your daughter in, yes. in, in t tell me about that. So my daughter was eight years old, which I already thought was far too young to start structured activities, but I figured, you know, okay, maybe she should explore her mm -hmm. creative side. So I go to the neighboring school and I 
enroll her in beginner's ballet class, thinking I'm like a doing parent, finally, I'm gonna join the race. And the, the woman looks at me and says, well, you do know she will be with uh, four-year-olds. And I go, no, 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 she's eight. What do you mean she'll be with four and five-year-olds? And she whispered to me because she felt embarrassed for me and she said, you, <laughs> you know, poor thing. you're yeah. a bit late, you know, you're a few years late already. They've been taking classes since uh, they began walking. And this was fascinating to me yeah. and created anxiety immediately. You see, all these Right. These Because immediately did you think, oh, I've I'm, I'm I'm, not been I'm a good lesser parent. Than. I'm lesser than. Look at me, I'm a loser. Yeah. I've, I've, I've created failure now. Now I've created lack in my child. She's going to be uh, a, a misfit. She won't get into any school. <laughs> I uh, what will I put on the resume? So these things are designed to create anxiety. And we're all drinking this every day and endorsing this. And we need to stop. Because a three-year-old isn't saying, Mom, I saw that neighborhood ballet school. They're just saying, let me dance in the living room. <laughs> yes. I'm happy doing that. Yeah, with my cardboard box. Right. Okay. So we already talked about there are good children and bad children. But good parents are naturals. Let's talk about that. Now, because it's... I love this in the book. I love this because so many people are like parenting. It just is a natural thing. It's God gave these children to me, and therefore that makes me... An a expert. Natural, yes, absolutely. An expert. So I don't need to be told, don't check on me. I don't need to check on my ego. I never need to question myself. Mm -hmm. But the myth that says parenting is natural superimposes this idea in, into the parental DNA that you just need, you know your child because it's yours and you can do with whatever you want, yes. you know? And this is the madness, the delusion that we fully believe because we want unbridled power after all. So we're never going to become humble about this journey unless we are invited to. And that's what we're trying to do today. We're trying to tell parents, the universe is sending this being to you so that you can enter the present moment, reacquaint what it means to be a child yourself and enter your full on presence. This is the only reason these children are coming to you. They're not coming to you to further seduce you to believe that you have more and more power, false power, because we don't have power over any being, least of all, our children. This should be the, the primary lesson that we are sent home with from the hospital. Revolutionary! That's just revolutionary. Okay, so a good parent is a loving one. That's another myth. That's another myth. So all you need to have is love. Ugh. And I tell, I tell my... Haven't we seen a lot of messed up kids who came from, from that? From a lot of love. Yeah. First I tell parents, love your kid a bit less because the love is messing this up. Mm -hmm. Because love is blind. And what that means is not that it's unconditional. It's mm -hmm. truly blind. You're not even seeing the child in front of you. You're just so consumed by your need to be loved back, by your need to feel love yourself. It's all about you, you, you. So let's put love aside. And now let's talk about consciousness. Because love without consciousness becomes need, dependency. It becomes control in the name of love. And that's what we're doing with our children. But I love you. That's so big, the producer's writing it down. <laughs> that's so big. That I is love huge. You. Love without consciousness becomes need and dependency. And control. And control. How, how many oh parents have you heard? Oh my gosh, is this a tweetable moment? Because I know so many of you, like, like I am, you're listening and you're thinking of friends who were raised this way, yourself being raised this way, and how this has shown up in your life, yeah. You spend $1,000 on your kid's birthday party. Your kid dares to have a tantrum in the birthday party? What, 
are we going to react with love? Where does love go in that moment? <laughs> right? It's not about love. It's yeah. not love for the other because true love for the other comes with freedom, liberation. It comes without any condition, without any hand asking for something back. So this is interesting. As I'm listening to him thinking, and uh, when I was reading The Awakened Family, I was thinking, wow, if you could just be conscious, you just sort of enter the same flow as your children. Easier said than done, of course. I know that, so don't tweet me about it. And it just becomes easier. Parenting becomes easier. It becomes a part of who you are. And you sort of gracefully move into that. Or if you're pushing against it and resisting it, trying to prove that this cannot be true, yes. then it becomes harder. So who's making it harder? We're doing it ourselves. We're doing it ourselves. The, the, the keys are now in our hands and we're not opening the door to our own freedom. Our children are saying to us, let go of your script of who I need to be. Enter my as is. But you know why that's so hard? And I could see why you all resist it as parents, because it's not convenient. And who has time? And it's who such has a time? Now I mean, because this takes so much time and right. interest and right. presence. Right. Yes. But this entire life is designed for us to enter presence, whether we like it or not. What are the biggest lessons people learn after a huge trauma? I have to let go of my ego. I have to let go of the should have and the fantasy life and enter the as is. I have to surrender yeah. to the grace of this moment. So our children are teaching us this every moment. Mm. They, are, they are taking us to our greatest courage, but we are not taking the invitation. It's the, it's the most profound an easy invitation, but it requires a moment-by-moment -moment presence. I know. If we can understand this journey in these terms, at least then we're better prepared, right? Right. So I love this other, this myth number six you have here is parenting is about raising a happy child. I mean, I think that's what everybody thinks. And so why is this a myth? <laughs> because our children don't need to become happy. Life is not about happy, happy anyway. Life is to be experienced in every nuance as it presents itself in the as is. Yes. Engagement with life, to me, is happiness, is pure joy. Yeah. Engage with it fully. Yeah. I think that's so powerful for everyone, children or not listening. I think the pursuit of happiness, particularly in our culture, makes people think it is my right and that is the number one goal is to be happy. So any painful moment then is to be ridden off immediately. So as a parent of a child, it is our sacred obligation to not teach our children to run away from life as is. If they're crying about rejection from a friend, instead of teaching them to change themselves to fit in, enter the present moment and teach your child rejection is inevitable, but it has nothing to do with your sense of worth. Wow. Not everyone needs to love you because you need to love who you are. You just need to find your tribe. Teaching children this is pivotal. But when our child cries, we get anxious and we want to fix it because we've been taught fix pain. Don't enter pain, don't integrate pain. We were severed from our, Absolutely. our when we cried as children, we were never held, attuned, taught to feel it, befriend it. We were taught to split from it. This is what we do with our children. And parents believe they need to be in control. That's, That's the uber, the uber, uber myth. myth. We're, we're told, your child, you, your name. The other day a, a parent said to me, but my child bears my name. <laughs> 
So I try I to, understand that. I try I to deconstruct that. each word. Yeah. I go, the my is problematic in itself. This my, there's, you don't, there's no ownership to the spirit. And here we are in this perverted delusion, thinking that we own them and can do to them whatever we wish. And we want our children to bear our legacy. Yes. This is our grand idea. We cannot leave this earth without <laughs> leaving something behind. Our children are not to be burdened with that. If we want to leave our own legacy, it's all up to us. Nothing to do with our children. So I think if there's only one thing you gather from the awakened family, it's this. You say on page 52, many of the expectations we have of our children are unspoken. Despite what we don't put into words, children intuitively sense when we wish them to be other than they are, sense that we want them to fulfill our fantasies of who they will grow up to be and what they will accomplish. Yes, some children rise to this challenge and are successful, but for every child who does, there are a host of others who buckle under the pressure. And those children just fall by the wayside. That's right. And it's time now for us parents to own this unchecked ego. We've got to look in the mirror that our children offer us, this relationship, and see how we are perpetuating disconnection versus connection. Every moment with our children, every parent wants me to tell them how to. How to, how do I do this? You know what they want, right? Complete the sentence. Yeah. How to get my child to listen. How to get my child to stop annoying me. How to get my child to fulfill my fantasy. The how to inherently is filled with dogma. How to get my child to come under my control and adhere follow to my, my wishes. Yes, follow, follow my, my script. script. Yes. Follow my script already. So this has to end. There is no how to anymore. There's only looking within asking, yes, how can I create conditions so what in my is home? In your, you, you, you talked about this in The Conscious Parent. What is the role of the parent? Yes. What is the true job of the parent? Two tasks the parent has to commit to on a moment-to-moment -moment basis. What is this moment reflecting about my unfinished self, my unresolved issues? So the child who's dawdling at homework, what will become of this child? Maybe this child will be homeless. What does this say about me as a parent? We feel the same anxieties every moment. The task of an awakened parent is what do we do with this moment? Do we go inward mm -hmm. or do we project it outward through reactivity and control? So that's the first task of an awakened parent is to ask that question. What, what does this moment reflect about moment me? Moment to moment, yes. And the second task, the control I give parents. And they go, really, tell me, tell me, what's the control I have? I say to them, you have control over the conditions that you create in your home. So if you see that your child cannot detach from the screen, guess what? You get to go and talk to your child and possibly take the phone away and say, it's not for your highest good. And I know you're angry with me right now, but I know mm -hmm. that this is not for your highest good. So when we can tap into what is for the highest good of our children, only when we have kept our ego in check, we do get to create conditions, you know, because parents will come to you and me and say, oh, She's talking about having crazy wild children who just paint on the walls and spit mm. on their neighbor's mm. food and yell at the grandma. No, that's not what I'm advocating. I'm advocating a heightened level of consciousness on the part of the parent. And your children are here to make you a better, more conscious human being. Only. 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 If you just hold that as your central sacred role with your children, you will do right by them. You will only help them to become their highest self. Beautiful. Thank you again. 
revolutionary. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. You can follow Super Soul on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Super Soul Conversation. Thank you for listening. Dogs are an important part of our lives. That means protecting them from parasites. Ask your vet about NextGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NextGuard Plus chews provide one-and-done monthly protection against fleas, ticks, heartworm disease, roundworms, and hookworms. Plus, they're delicious and easy to give. Use with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurologic disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive. Ask about NextGuard Plus Chews. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Bada ba ba ba. At participating McDonald's.